a big old room, isn't it, eh? It's a big old room. Wow. Okay, well, why don't we pray together? Trust that God is going to, um, as he always does, own his own word. And um, so let's just pray that I don't get in the way of that with uh, my own stuff. And, um, and uh, you don't in whatever ways that might happen so that we can get all, we can, all that the Lord wants. Yeah? Thank you, Francis. Okay. <laughs> Anyone else fancy that? Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Let's pray. Father, thank you that in this, uh, you're able, well able to fill this cavernous room. Um, This is a little drop to you. So we pray for your glory to fill this room. I know, Lord, that uh, deep in the hearts of every one of your people here, there's just a longing to know you better. And sometimes we don't quite know the best way forward in that. Sometimes we make foolish, immature decisions, um, which actually works against that, and all these other things. And yet, when it all, Lord, we come back to you and we say we want to know you better. And that's the thing. That's the thing. When everything's distilled down until there's really just one thing left, it's to know you. It's to know you and to know the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings, Lord. And we say we... If suffering means we get to know you in a way that we wouldn't before, then we embrace it and we welcome it because we want to know you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would be at work by your spirit through this word today. And, uh, Lord, that people, there will be a rise of real faith as to what you're saying today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, if you get stirred or moved by God's word, it's okay to just, you know, verbalize that. Um, Don't contrive it, but... Please don't feel that you are not able to. And, um, you know, it's great to just feel that we're all engaged in this together, especially when I feel so far away from you guys. That's better. Okay, is this all right, Pete? PA-wise? All right, well, look, we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, in case you hadn't realized it yet. Um, and we're in, into these things that they call the Beatitudes. And um, we're, we're getting towards the end of them now. We've just got um, really two Beatitudes left, um, because um, verse 10 and verse 11 are really unpacking the same one. And so I'm going to read... Um, just this week's one, Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Now, the way we're approaching these Beatitudes is the only way you can approach them and then to make sense. They're not commands. And they're not just good ideas. They're not just Jesus saying, look, do this and you'll get saved. It's Jesus saying, if you find that what, we're, what I'm speaking about here is you. If you find something in you says yes to these things, that this, these things I'm talking about, this, if you find that you are poor in spirit in some way, that you've come to the end of yourself and you know you need saving as a gift. Hey, kingdom, salvation. If you find yourself mourning over the things you do wrong and over the terrible things that happen, you find your heart starting to break, you're going to be comforted. You're, that's, you, you're starting to know the heartbeat of God. 
And so he's, it's a description and a congratulations rather than a, you must do this. And so with the peacemakers, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. I want to t- say two main things by way of introduction, then we'll get into the meat of the message. The first thing uh, is um, this, that to be a peacemaker, you must first, it's like a three-stage process, you must first be at peace with God. We'll be looking at that later, but I want to just say that at the start. At first, you must know that you are no longer at war with God, but that you are at peace with God, that you've been reconciled to him, and that through Jesus Christ, you now know him. Can't be vague, can't be some kind of general idea of, well, I think God's kind of heard, he's kind of nice anyway, so he probably accepts me. No, you know you are at peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. That because of his life, death, and resurrection, you are now right with God. That the war, the hostilities have ceased, you are with him, you are at peace with him. Number two, then at peace with others as much as it is within your power. So there are situations where you try to reconcile, but there's no will on the other party's side. But as as much as it is within your power, that you are at peace with others, number two. And then number three, because you are at peace with God, because you know that as far as is within your power, you are at peace with others, you can be at peace within yourself. You can have that sense, that conscience Yes, I know I'm right with God by, by the blood of Jesus, by the death of Christ. I know I've looked to work in my relationships with parents, siblings, workmates, friends, etc. I've, wor- I, I, you know, I've looked to see the cross break into my life and work it out in how I live. Now I can enjoy a sense within myself of, yeah, I'm at peace within myself. Now I want to point that out because the world we live in would flip it in the opposite direction. I want you to see that. So the world we live in, so, so we have stage one, God, stage two, others, stage three, self. The world we live in says, uh, no, just be at peace, look, look to find peace within yourself through a spa or something like that. Just well-being, shampoo, whatever, okay, but just get that thing going, okay? Get that sense of, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, treat yourself, buy yourself flowers, love yourself, yeah, build that in. And then, you know, it might be that there's a few relationships that aren't quite doing so well, and they're kind of affecting that and making that not feel so good. So straighten them out, and then that can really, then that will really bolster that, and they never get to stage three, God. It's the opposite. Definite stage one, self. Stage two, if you need to, others, there is no stage three. Why? What is this thinking, and how does it work? Well, it's to do with not understanding what people are. According to the Bible, people are what we call covenant beings, in the sense that fundamentally we are about our relationships. So fundamentally, I am about my relationship with God. If I am not right with God, everything else is going to be wrong. Love the Lord your God. Number two, who I am is about my relationships with others. Love your neighbour. Those things get straightened out. I know who I am. I'm at peace within myself. Because the Bible teaches that humans are relational, covenant relational beings made in the image of God to know him and then to show forth his nature in their relationships, then everything else tends to work itself out. Whereas the world we live in has got no concept of this anymore, thrown that one out, and so have to try and find answers within self and make all the answers up within, within the individual. So you become like a, almost an autonomous object and you just got to try and find this fullness within yourself and anything you can do to straighten it out few beliefs, great, you know, no problem. Religious conviction, if it helps towards happiness, great. Doesn't matter what kind. Um, if there's a, a relationship breakdown it's troubling you, okay, deal with that because then you can find that thing again and the whole focus is on self. So we need to understand 
the, the, the opposite thing we're here, hitting here with the Bible and with Christianity, just so you get it straight. Second thing I want to say is there's a massive difference between peacemaking and peacekeeping. Peacekeeping is what you do when there is no peace, but you don't want there to be all-out war. Okay? When there's no peace, but you think, we really don't want this thing to blow, so let's keep the peace. You see it on telly a lot with the UN peacekeepers. They go to a nation where there's uh, maybe political unrest, tribal unrest, ethnic unrest. The UN come to an agreement that's going to blow there. Some guys are going to get killed there. Send in the peacekeepers. So different countries put together a force. They go in with their camos on, and you send them with their uh, sky blue hats, and they go and they keep the peace. The very fact they're there means there's no peace. The fact they're on the ground means things are in a bad way. Some people do this at Christmas a lot with the extended family. It's not all out war in some nation somewhere. It's uncle so-and-so is going to be in the same room as granny. Yeah? So you've got to be in there and you heading off things at the pass, you're making sure a conversation doesn't go down that road, make sure no one mentions that word, because that's a flashpoint, okay? And it's peacekeeping, you understand? You know what I'm talking about. It, must, it's, it, it could blow at any minute, because these two people are together. And um, within families, you find it. Others, sadly, it is their day-to-day experience of life behind closed doors. You often find it with a parent and two of their children are almost all out war and it's like it's eggshells indoors and this is peacekeeping and our world is full of uh, peacekeeping and it leads to what we call an uneasy peace. But it's like a volcano. It may not be blowing but at any moment it could go. In some ways that is the opposite of peacemaking. We're talking, Jesus is talking about peacemaking not peacekeeping. So I just want to give you those two things by way of introduction so that all we say, you get it, the order is God, others, self, and it's about peacemaking, not just keeping the peace. You see, peacemaking is when the heart of the trouble, when the source of the pain, and when the root of the bitterness is unearthed, when actually the thing that's causing the problem is discovered for what it is, it's unearthed, and then it is dealt with, and then the gap that is left there is filled with love, filled with hope for the future, and filled with peace. That is peacemaking. That is what Jesus is talking about here. Peacemakers have experienced God deal with them in this way, haven't they? If you're a believer, this is exactly what God has done with you. He hasn't said to you, do you know what? You've sinned, you've been kind of rebellious, you've been selfish and all these things, but, you know, well, you know, I don't want to kind of bring that up because you might get upset, so let's just kind of get this thing going where we don't talk about it. Um, and just kind of come along, sing some songs on Sunday and that's fine for me. You just you do some singing, I won't do any judging, and we'll just kind of, you know, we won't bring up the thing that you did the other day. That's not how it is, is it? That's not the gospel. The gospel is when God hones in on right into the heart of who you are, and you see yourself for who you are, and you are convicted by the Holy Spirit, and you realize, man alive, it's not just this thing I did, that thing I did, and that thing I didn't do, it's what I am against him. I just want to do my own thing. I just want autonomy. And God, God puts you under the, under the light with that and then you come to a point where you think, what am I going to do? If there is a God and he is like this and he is holy and he does deserve my worship and actually everything within me just kind of wants to run away from him and yet I do want to know him. What do I do? And then we see the cross. We see the Lord Jesus dying in our place, paying our debt, being judged for us, him who had no sin, becoming sin for us. And we see the blood pouring out and we realise that was for you so you can be forgiven and reborn. 
You think, oh my goodness, and it all comes out. You confess your sin, you bring it out before him, he washes you and makes you brand new. Yeah? And, out, and your spirit is revived, and there's a relationship, and there's reconciliation, and you can pour your heart out to him, and there's not this uneasy peace, this funny sort of distance, there's intimacy. You see, so the believer understands this. The believer gets this. God has dealt with him thoroughly. God has come in with severity, but with kindness. God has come in with truth, but with grace. And we've learned that. We've learned a different way in the gospel. And out of that, we begin to live like that. You see, peacemakers, all the yucky stuff is removed. The wounds get healed. The healing balm is applied. How does God do it? Well, listen to a quote by a man called Michael Eaton. Peacemaking must not be interpreted in a pagan way. Worldly people love the idea of having a peaceful, in quotes, world. A cushy life, plus plenty of money to go with it, and our enemies leaving us alone. But this is not at all what the Bible means by peace. When talking of that kind of peace, Jesus said, I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. True peace is reconciliation with God, plus all of its side effects. That's the heart of it. Reconciliation. God has said, I'm going to deal with this. How? I'm going to bring you back to myself that you might live in the bosom of my love. How cool is that? That you might live, not that we might just kind of, well, we'll kind of, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of, we'll, we'll get rid of the, some of the bad stuff, but we'll just kind of tiptoe around and don't mention this. No, you're going to live in the bosom of my love. Let's have a relationship where we can talk about anything, where there's no taboos, where there's no prickly little things. Oh, don't mention that. Well, we can speak our hearts to one another. Why the need for this? Why is it, why, why, why do we kind of hammer on about this stuff week in, week out? Listen to Martin Lloyd-Jones. The explanation of all our troubles is human lust, greed, selfishness, self-centeredness. It is the cause of all the trouble and the discord, whether between individuals or between groups within a nation or between nations themselves. So you cannot begin to understand the problem of the modern world unless you accept the New Testament doctrine with regard to man and sin. Colossians 1. For in him, that's Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. The death of Jesus is what's brought us back to God. Reconciliation with God, for God, was a costly business. Involved death. Involved sacrifice, involved blood, involved tough stuff. Stage two, peace with others. Now, peace with others, talking about peacemaking, we're looking at how the most important and first stage of peacemaking is getting, finding peace with God in a very real way. And then it leads on to making peace with others. Now, I want to say this. With a nice, gentle smile and tenderly as I can, this, my friends, is where the rubber hits the road. This is where the rubber hits. Why? Here's why. Because I can say, oh yeah, of course I'm at peace with God. But you know what? I can't see him, he can't see me, and I can convince everyone. But my wife, my relationship with her is very concrete. It's very visible. It's very tangible. If I'm not at peace with her, it's suddenly very, very obvious. Not just to us, but to everyone else. Or my relationship with my parents, or with my children, or with my friends. You see, if they start going awry, then it's very, very clear 
And so, you know, there came with this thing of, thank you, Lord, I'm at peace with you. And then, but then there came with this unreality where believers steer away from this thing of peacemaking. Let's really dig in and look at this today and hopefully hit some, hit some big stuff. First thing, if you're going to be a peacemaker, if you are those who are born again, you've been filled with the Spirit, you're going to work out, okay, Lord, how do I work out being a peacemaker? First, there's a passive side to it. There are things you have stopped doing. Number one, you stopped winning arguments for the sake of it. Number two, you stopped insisting on having the last word. I'm like, no you didn't. Yeah. You know that? No, no. <coughs> school, school, playground stuff. You stopped that. You stopped bulldozing people. You stopped verbally bullying people. You stopped intimidating people. You stopped the sharp texts and the sharp emails. To the peacemaker, people are people, not projects, not commodities, not workers. They're people made in the image of God. So though there may be things to talk about and stuff to do, the whole way I'm treading reverently. Why? It's a person made in the image of God. Also, a peacemaker is able not to rear up at the slightest thing, at take offence at the slightest thing that could be interpreted a certain way. To deal with things in a way that makes a peace. A peacemaker can choose their battles. They don't get into every little squabble and argument that's possibly out there. Listen to Lloyd-Jones again. The peacemaker is the man who does not talk about people when they are offensive and difficult. He doesn't ask, why are they like that? Have you ever done that? He doesn't ask, why are they like that? He says, they are like that because they are still being governed by the God of this world. That poor person is a victim of self and Satan. He is hell-bound. I must have pity and mercy on him. The moment he begins to look at him like that, he's in a position to help him and he's likely to make peace with him. So he must have an entirely new view of the other person. Even if they're a believer, and you think, no, that's not true. They're a believer. They know the Lord and they're acting like that. And even after all of your efforts at peacemaking that maybe are getting nowhere, you have to be able to say to yourself, leave him with the Lord. There's just some maturity that needs to come there. But I need to, there's come the point now where I just have to leave them with the Lord. You're called to, you are called to live in peace, Christian. And sometimes that means you don't do things. Interestingly, Paul, when he talks about divorce and separation, he talks about uh, someone who's uh, married and they've become a Christian, but their partner hasn't become a Christian, and it's caused real tension. And as a result, their partner wants to leave them, right? They said, you know what, you become a Christian, I don't like this Jesus stuff, I'm going. What does a person do in that situation? Because you might think, well, we know God loves marriage, surely you should, you know, do everything and fight and fight and fight to the bitter end to kick that person. Listen to what Paul says, if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God's called you to peace. God's called you to peace. Sure, you know, try to do what you can, but if at the end of the day, because of Jesus, your partner leaves you, then you have to let them go. Why? You're called to peace. You're not to call, go and fight, get into a fight with them about it or a squabble. You're called to peace. Listen to Romans 12. Repay no one evil for evil. No one. But give thought to what is honourable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all, as far as it depends on you. So if you're here, you're saying, do you know what, I'm a Christian, and this person's got a big beef with me, and I've tried all I can, then you've done all you can. 
You haven't then got to get really stressed about the fact that they're not listening to you, they don't want to know, and get totally worked up. No, it says here very, very clearly, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. That's the principle there for you. Never avenge yourselves. Leave it to the wrath of God. Never have a vengeful spirit. You leave it now. Okay, I'm not going to pursue that anymore. I've done all I can. If I go any longer, I'm going to wind them up. I'll leave it now. I'm called to peace. So there's a passive side. There's things you don't do, but then there's a very, very active side. You want to be a peacemaker? There's a very act- this is more challenging, the active side, I think. Firstly, before you get involved in peacemaking, make sure you're not meddling. We're warned in the Bible not to be meddlers. That means you, you love peacemaking. Even if it doesn't involve you. you. I'll fix it. I've heard a slight squabble over there. Sounded a bit tense. I'm coming in. No. It's not your situation. It's not yours. Make sure it's yours. Okay, it's not, it's not a good witness to be a meddler and a busybody. We don't do that. Okay, so make sure, first of all, that it, that it falls into your sphere of life. It's something for you to get involved in. There's two ways you can go. You can get over-involved in stuff that's not yours, or you can go passive when what is needed is action, because it's your thing, it's your sphere. You need to get involved. So um, make sure that that is there. Eaton says this, the idea of being a peacemaker is an active one, not a passive one. It's not that the person passively and peacefully does nothing. The Greek Old Testament text of Proverbs 10.10 actually says, he that reproves boldly is a peacemaker. You like that? He that reproves boldly. He that says, you know what, we've got to talk about this because this isn't going right. They're a peacemaker. They're not a peacekeeper. They're a peacemaker. They're saying, we've got to talk about this. We've got to bring this out because it's bubbling. Away. You know when things are bubbling away? It's bubbling away underneath the surface. The tension is there. You can feel it. Unresolved stuff. It's, it affects things. It creates distance. Come on, let's be real. In those moments when it's, it's, it's in your sphere of life, you need to get involved. You need to get engaged. You need to say, we need to talk. Why? Because you're a peacemaker. You can't just wait till the other person does. Because they may be waiting until you do. You've got to be a peacemaker. Eaton goes on, the idea is rather the person actively goes out of his way to bring reconciliation and harmony. He or she does whatever needs to be done as much as lies within his power to bring reconciliation. Lloyd-Jones, your true peacemaker is not an appeaser, as we say today. You can postpone war by appeasement. But it generally means that you're doing something that is unjust or unrighteous in order to avoid war. The mere avoidance of war does not make peace. It doesn't solve the problem. This generation ought to know that with particular certainty. It's not appeasement. It's not just, oh man, that person's so kind of volcanic that I'm just going to kind of just kind of do all I can to just keep them kind of calm for the rest of my life. That is peacekeeping. That is not peacemaking. And you're going to just help entrench that person in their volcanic temperament. There are times where things need to be said. Listen to 1 Peter 3 verse 11. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek. There's something proactive to be. I'm going to go for peace. Not just, oh, it's nice and quiet, but peace where we can connect again, heart to heart. Ah, because the thing's been done. That's a beautiful feeling. I'll tell you, that's a beautiful feeling. Where you can 
take the bricks out. You know when walls build up in relationships? You heard that? Where you know you used to be close with someone and something happened, something was said, and the wall just builds up almost silently and slowly over time. And you just think, do you know what? There's just such a divide now. Peacekeepers begin deconstructing that wall. I'm going to take these bricks out bit by bit, one by one. And when I, when I get one out and it's effective, I'm going to press the advantage, get another one out. I'm not going to go crazy, but I'm going to get this thing down. Why? Because I want it to be a heart connection again. God loves that. That is, church should model that to the whole wide world. It's huge. It's very, very massive. Hebrews 12, 14, strive for peace with everyone. That's a strong word. Strive, effort, sweat for peace with everyone. Work hard at it. Ephesians 4, be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Strive, seek, be eager. It takes energy. I want to say this to you, it takes emotional energy. If you've been hurt, you know, someone was harsh, and you think, I've got to go back and face that, and I'm afraid of what I'm going to get. Or I tried it, and you know what? We had to fix things a year ago. It's kind of happened again. Have I got it in me to go again? Go again. Why? For the glory of God in his church. Go again. Why? To demonstrate the gospel. Didn't God go again? Doesn't he come again and again? Doesn't he just say, oh, do you know what? Imagine if God, imagine if God did that. Imagine if God said, you know what? I can't be doing this anymore. Imagine. Horror of horrors. I said, I haven't got it in me anymore. Hurts too much. But you're God. He says, yeah, and I want you to be just like me. Let's go again. Let's go again. I want to show you Jesus' masterclass in peacemaking. It's beautiful. Right? Listen to what happens. One of his top guys, Peter, on the night Jesus gets betrayed and arrested, he denies he even knows him. In his moment of greatest need, Peter denies three times after pledging to Jesus, I will even go to death with you. On the night of his betrayal, Peter denies three times with oaths and swearing, I don't know him, I don't know the guy, because he's afraid. He's not as bad as Judas. Judas was premeditated greed. Peter, he loved the Lord, but when the crunch came, he blew it big time. He totally blew it. Look at how Jesus makes peace. Here's how it comes. Peter's disappointed with himself, deflated, can't believe what he's done, says to the other disciples, I'm going fishing. Who wants to come? Yeah, so he's saying, I'm going back to the old life. I can't do this Christian thing. Can't do it. Who's coming? Some of them go, yeah, we'll go with you. So they go out fishing, don't catch a thing. Dawn comes, and there's this mysterious character on the beach, and I don't know quite who it is. And he says, he says, well, you caught anything? And he's like, no, nothing. Just throw your nets over the other side. Okay, yeah, okay, we'll throw over the other side. And the nets get filled with fish. At that point, they click, because this has happened before, years ago. It's Jesus, right? So first thing Jesus does is bless him. Number one. There's the guy who stitched him. There's the guy who denied him three times. First stage, bless. So you're going to make peace? Get some good food in. Because what happens next? He makes some breakfast with the fish. There's been, yeah, there's, there's been no conversation yet. No confrontation. No like, you know, paper airplane with the demands over to the boat first. Read those because, boy... You know about it when you get over onto this beach. We're going to do some talking. None of that. Fish, barbecues ready. Gather around. In that culture, if you ate with someone, you were friends. It was a sign of, 
He says, it's a welcome. It's a welcome. And embrace breakfast together on the beach. Okay? That's how, you want to make peace? That's how it starts. Blessings, eating together, friendship. Then they go for a walk. Then the conversation happens. Now, it's no coincidence that Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? It's not that Jesus really, was really feeling emotional that day. And just really, you know, I really want you to just, can you just say it again? It wasn't that. What was it? Peter denied him three times. Which is why it says when Jesus asked him the third time, Peter was grieved. What was happening here? Jesus was bringing the thing up. But notice there was no accusation. Notice he didn't say, Peter and Jesus walked on together. And Jesus said to Peter, I can't believe you did that. After all I put into you, you go and blow it like that. And you expect me to come and restore you. Well, I might. But if I do, just don't you forget it. There's none of that tone. Yeah? Can you imagine? How much fuel, how much ammunition would you have had if you were Jesus? You could have taken them apart. What did Jesus do? He wants to know one thing. Do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Do you love me? Yeah. Do you love me? Ouch. Because Jesus says, we are going to bring it up, though. He says, he says, you know that I love you. Why are you asking? You know. And at this point, the, it's up there. The thing that has caused the breakdown is up. It's been, he's not fudged it. He's not beaten around the bush. It's, right, this is the thing now. When peacemaking, you have to get to the thing. There it is. But the whole time, first time, do you love me? Yeah, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. What's he doing? He's restoring and recommissioning him. You haven't blown it. You haven't lost it. You're still my leader. See that? Bringing it up. I'm still with you. Encourage. This is, what, this, is, this is the masterclass in peacemaking. Six weeks later, Peter preaches a sermon and 3,000 people get saved. That's fruit. That's fruit. That's how you do it. There it is. Jesus is your model. Surprise, surprise. I want to just conclude by um, talking about peacemaking in terms of evangelism, sharing about Jesus to people who don't know Jesus. Because sharing Christ, telling people about Jesus, and contending for the faith is one of the strongest ways you can be a peacemaker. You can be a peacekeeper by keeping quiet. When everyone's knocking the Christians and talking about, you know, that stuff's not real or whatever, you can be a peacekeeper, how? By just staying, staying mum and thinking, oh, I'll just carry on and keep my head down and hopefully it will just, whoosh. yeah, you're peacekeeping. You're, you're not called to that. You're called to make peace. These people that don't know the Lord, the Bible says, are at enmity with God, under the wrath of God, like we all were once. Boy, I'm glad someone told me about Jesus. I'm glad someone thought, Do you know what, that ridiculous looking guy with that bandana on and that goatee that's almost invisible because it's bum fluff and who bounces around this campsite like he thinks he's some sort of dude I'm going to tell him about Jesus because he is seriously lost I'm so glad they did I'm so glad they didn't think leave him to it I don't want to upset him he looks a bit stroppy aren't you glad someone told you aren't you glad someone said you know what I'll just tell you about Jesus someone said I'm going to help that person this realize that God has tried to make peace with them by sending Jesus. See, if you're here, you don't know the Lord Jesus. 
I tell you, God has done something to make peace with you. He has given his son to die for you so that the things you have done wrong can be paid for. So you can be welcomed back in. And it, what does he want to do? He wants to bring, he wants to have that, he wants to make you breakfast. In that sense, he wants to walk with you and talk with you. And he wants to get to your heart so you can actually give your heart to him and actually discover a relationship with him where you turn away from all those things he hates and you follow him. That's what he wants for you. That's what he's done for you. But you need to hear it. You need to know. And you need to know that if you don't receive and accept that, you're in a predicament. You, he, you, are, you will remain under his judgment instead of being under his grace. So if you don't accept that Jesus paid the penalty for your sin, then you're going to have to pay it yourself. But you don't need to. There's no need to because Christ has done it. I want to speak to you just for a moment as you don't know the Lord and say, listen, he has is, he is stretched himself out at full stretch and he's there with his arms open wide saying, come to me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Receive him today. Receive him today. But I want to speak to you, church. I want to end by speaking to you, church. and say, I'm going to read to you from 1 Thessalonians 5. Listen to this. You yourselves are fully aware the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, there is peace and security, sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. You may work somewhere where it's just so cool and so here, poor, it's so kind of, you know, this and that, and everyone's saying, hey, this vibe's great and things are working out fine without any reference to Christ. Peace and security. It's exactly what the Bible says. But then, what does it say? Sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains. Something's got to be said. We've got to be straight with people. Some of you find this idea terrifying, to actually disagree and actually say, do you know what, I want to need to tell you about the Lord, or to contend in some way for the faith. You find it terrifying. I've got, I've got four bits of advice for you. Number one, listen, there's a promise in the Bible that during moments of pressure, the words will be given you what to say. You haven't got a planet, the words will be given you. So just decide that you're going to speak up for Jesus. The Holy Spirit will give you words. So many believers, I know they keep quiet because they think, well, they're not saying, and if they say that, then how am I going to answer that? And if I, listen, Jesus says, don't do that. In the moments of pressure, the Spirit will put the words in your mouth. So that worrying is just for no reason. Speak up for Christ. There's a promise. Secondly, you're called to give a reason for the hope you have. 1 Peter 3, you're called to give a reason for the hope that you have. Now, this doesn't mean you need to know the answer to every religious mystery in the world. It just means to know, why do you believe what you believe? And all, all I would say is this, take half an hour this week to just think, why am I a Christian? Just please, this week, say, take half an hour to say, why am I a Christian? And write down three or four reasons, really succinctly, then you can give a reason for the hope you have. There it is. It's not rocket science. could be to do with the ways changed your life. Could be to do with the fact that you know him, you just know him. You've got a relationship with him. How can it not be true? Could be to do with the fact that the Bible's reliable. There's all many different things. You've seen incredible miracles. Whatever it is, write it down and just simply say it. Thirdly, you may not be able to articulate the basics of the faith because there's been some kind of negligence regarding the Bible. You've just not bothered. You're not bothered to read the Bible and think it, you just, you haven't. Or you're just really rusty. You used to, but you don't anymore. All I would say is this, just get right with God in that.
It's not, again, you haven't got to wait for some amazing experience. God, do something, and then I'll, no, just say, Lord, you know, I've been really lazy there. <laughs> or I've just kind of got out of groove, Lord, and I feel really rusty. And say, please forgive me, because your word is sweeter than honeycomb. And it's just food for my soul. And it just brings me to life. And so, Lord, I want to just say I'm sorry, and I want to just get in the word again. Yeah? Just, just, just get into that again. And finally, this is so releasing. You're called to be a witness. What does a witness do? A witness says, oh, yeah, I saw that happen, and this, I heard that. Just say what you've experienced. Say what you've seen. Oh, I mean, the other day I saw someone get healed. You're just witnessing. Oh, yeah, I used to be like this, but now I'm like this because Jesus changed me. And then what if they say, yeah, well, do you know they found some scrolls the other day, and they're 5,000 years old, and they proved that Jesus didn't exist? You say, well, I don't know about that, but I'll tell you what I do know. It's cool. I'll say, well, I'll find out about that. I'll, I'll, I'll have a read. I'll, I'll look on the internet. I'll let you know about that. But don't be freaked and intimidated by that stuff. Contend for the faith. It's vital because people are at enmity with God and people need to know there's a way back. There's a way back to forgive. There's so much depression in our society. So much darned, cloudy, nasty, dark depression and scared to the point where people are thinking it's just normal. So much regret, so much guilt, so much shame, so much nastiness that goes on. People think, well, isn't it just the way it is? Well, it is the way it is, but in Jesus Christ, all that stuff gets overpowered by something new called the kingdom. And it's not that in the moment every single thing changes, but the power of resurrection breaks into your life, and at your core you change, and then throughout the rest of your life, all that glory stuff kicks into ever increasing degrees. That is the gospel, and that is the way it is. And that is God's plan for the life of a Christian. And we've got to just let people know. It's selfish not to. It's selfish not to. It's very, very serious. I want to end with one more scripture, Romans 16, verse 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Funny one, that. Doesn't sound very peaceful, does it? You imagine that. He's a really peaceful person. What does he do? He kind of crushes people under his feet. How does that work? Satan's a destroyer. He's real. He's real and he's a destroyer. And he's behind a lot of the nasty stuff that happens. The promise is that the God of peace will soon crush him. Why? Because as Satan crushes, as God crushes Satan in this setting, in this situation, as you reconcile there, God's peace unfolds and multiplies in beautiful ways. Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? They will be called sons of God. What does that mean? It means... When you're in the Bible, there's two different ways of looking at sonship. One is you just get adopted and you're his son. The other is that you've, you take on the family way. You're like an apprentice. You're a chip off the old block. That's just like God. Look at him. He's kind of sorting out his relationships and like making peace and reconciling. Wow, what, what is that? Well, he's just like God. That's what God did with him. He's a son of God. That's what we're called to, brothers and sisters. Son, to be called sons of God, reconcilers. The Bible call us, calls us ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors for Christ. And I want to give an appeal now at the end of the message, and it's this. Some of you here, it's time for reconciliation with God. It's time for you to say, Do you know what? I am going to come to Christ and make him my Lord so I can be forgiven my sins and know peace with God. So, so the war can end. So I'm no longer trying to do my own little thing. I want to know my maker. 
So for some of you, it's a stage one. Stage one peacemaking. Others of you, it's stage two. You know there are things that are within your power to make peace, and you're not. You're either being stroppy and prickly, and you're kind of, you, you know, by your attitude, you're stopping peace from happening. Maybe someone's trying to make peace with you, and you're just making it difficult. There's things you need to stop doing. Others of you, there's things you need to start doing. You're just being passive, hoping it'll pan out, hoping it'll figure itself out. No, you need to have the conversation. Maybe over breakfast, lots of blessings, lots of encouragement, but it needs to be had. Stage two. And for some of you, it's stage three. You're right with God. You're right with others. But within yourself, you've, you, you've kind of got such a tender conscience that you're kind of like, you're still kind of under this thing of, or, you know, you're not letting yourself just enjoy the fact you're right with God and you've done all you can. And you, there's this like cloud of condemnation which kind of accuses you, yeah, but you didn't quite do that perfectly. You know? Oh yeah, but there, there was that moment there and, you, and it's just kind of, it's nitpicky and it's not the Lord. It's just kind of, it's just nasty kind of slimy stuff that just keeps you under this cloud and under this weight. And you need to say, no, I'm right with God through the blood of Christ. I've done all I can within my power to make peace. Now I'm going to hold my head up and live with a good conscience. You see that? So stage three, some of you, you just need to come through and say, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, Come under that anymore. So if you're a stage one, a stage two, or a stage three, I would love to be able to just pray over you and give you guys first dibs at the bread and wine, okay? So you can just get up there and really, you know, gather around the cross of Christ at the bread and the wine now. And, you know, uh, we're going to have our time of singing in just a moment. And, and take the bread and the wine. But I just want to, I want you guys to be able to really just say, yeah, it's a moment. I know it's a moment. I want to I stand among the church as a way of saying, either number one, I want to get right with God and become a Christian. Or number two, I'm going to take some steps for reconciliation. And my standing is me saying that before God. Or number three, I'm going to stop living under this cloud of heavy kind of something's wrong even though nothing is. Okay, so if you're one of those, please stand where you are and I'd love to just be able to pray over you. Holy Spirit is here and we just want to wait on him for a minute, just honour his presence here among us. Thank you Lord for your goodness, for your kindness to us. And Lord, we know that the way of the cross is not the easy way, but it's so fruitful and such life comes. So just say thank you for that.
And I just pray, Lord, for these precious ones that have stood up to say, yeah, there's a moment in God. We pray for grace to be given them now by the Spirit. Just just receive grace by the Spirit. The Lord is just going to just bring peace for some of you. It's like a storm inside. We just pray that that, that you would say, Lord, those words, be peace, be still by your Spirit. People's hearts, Lord God, just bring peace. I pray, Lord God, for power and boldness to be given, for wisdom to be given, to know how to go about these things that need to be gone about. Father, we just, we just declare that the blood of the Lord Jesus cleanses from all sin. And we thank you for that. And we pray, Lord God, for an awareness of that, to just be filling our hearts and minds. I just thank you, Lord, for every, every, every step, every step towards godliness is, a, is, a, is, 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 is the church being constructed. Every step towards godliness is Jesus building his church. We thank you. It's the bride getting ready for the return of her groom. We thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for what every person standing here represents in terms of godliness, in terms of your kingdom coming, Lord. So we thank and bless you. We thank you and bless you for it. I pray for any, Lord, that have stood for the first time to give their life to you. That as they just stand there now, if, you, if that's you and you're just standing now, then I just want to ask that where you are, you would just pray to the Lord. You would just tell him, you just confess and acknowledge your need for forgiveness, that you've sinned and that you've, you're away from him. And that you want to turn away from everything that he hates and that you want to trust entirely in, a, in Jesus Christ, the crucified one. You want to make him your Lord. If you do that with sincerity, he will see your heart. He will respond to you. He will come and meet you. And I'd love to pray with you too. So please do come and find me afterwards. I'd love to just pray with you. But if the band could just come up now, we're going to, why don't the rest of us just stand now as well, and we're going to meet with the Lord. Please come forward for bread and wine. Please, please come forward uh, for the bread and wine during these songs, and let's do this together. If you want to pray with someone during bread and wine, go up with a brother or sister, and let's just stand with each other in this, and really make sure that we do this together, not individually. Yeah, I've had a word for... um the people that stood earlier, um, well, last night I had a dream. Uh, it was very surreal, and it's just come back to me. Um, and it, I was basically in, like, a, a refuse uh, collecting truck, and it just went around um, the city, I think, with just, just different people and different friends. And um, Christ has come to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, and to cleanse you from all the effects of um, sin, sin that you've committed and sin that has um, been um, acted out against you. He's come to cleanse you, and, and he will do that today. He will do that right now. He, he, um, he will crush all of that sin, and he will remove it as, as far away as the east is from the west. That is how far he removes our transgressions from us. And the effects of those sins, he will remove those.
Romans 5 says, um, Romans 5 verse 6 says, you see at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you, Lord, you bought for us. You bought for us life when we were so dead in our sins. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All glory to you. All glory to you. All glory to our wonderful King and Saviour. King of Angels, oh glory to the King of Kings, His name is Love, His name is Jesus, in full power, in majesty, into this world.
I just felt God just saying to me that um, sometimes the hardest people to bring reconciliation between are the two people that are very close. And uh, I felt God saying that there's a, a couple here who um, need some reconciliation between their relationship, whether it's husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend, I'm not sure. But um, I don't want to ask you to come and uh, make yourself known here, but come and find me. And I'd love to pray with you with my wife as well. And uh, if you if you are a couple who do with some reconciliation in that relationship, then uh, God is here to heal today. When Steph was speaking earlier, um, immediately came to mind was when um, the disciples were in a boat and there was a a real sense of uh, the waves are crashing against them and this is what Jesus says it is I do not be afraid I feel that there's someone here who's got a situation possibly with a family and it feels like you're in the boat with the waves crashing against you and you're afraid to say anything and uh, God would say it is I do not be afraid he's with you he will be with you when you go and speak to these people but God wants to bring reconciliation to that situation he wants you to know that he's with you no matter the situation.
have this um, picture of a rucksack. Um, and there's a rucksack, and I saw some of those people who stood up, and um, uh, you're carrying this rucksack, and, um, and you've just opened one pocket, and then there's all these other pockets, and you've not really explored them. And I, I, I just felt like God wanted to speak about seeking Him further, about looking a bit deeper in it. And, and then even as you've stood up and you've, you've thought, there's this thing that there's, I don't have peace over it. I don't have peace over it. And I, I can't find a way out of it. And I don't have the capacity to do anything about it. And I, I just felt God wanted to remind you of that verse that He's given us all we need for life and godliness. And there's a sense of seeking God for what he's given us and seeking for him, the one who's strong in our weakness. I just wanted to share a little bit of testimony as well. Kind of a, the week before last, I was really in a place to hear this sermon in terms of I just didn't have peace over an issue or something that was going on. And, um, and God just really met with me last week and I, I prayed with uh, Pete Day and um, he just really prayed for me that, that, that the fruit of peace would just be so evident this week and you know what I hadn't even thought of it really until just now and, and God was like you know what Tom it's gone isn't it you know I've been there I've been I've been your peace I just felt there's a sense of those people who stood up to just search a bit deeper look a bit deeper come to God and say I know you've given me all you need and I need it now I need you Jesus I need peace Holy Spirit we ask that you would come and just yes blow afresh on some people that you'd come and just release gifting to those people release the fruit of peace to those people Amen I just feel that God may have given me a word that um, just that the phrase going in my head that peace isn't quiet Peace isn't quiet, and I think that for some people here, maybe uh, you think that you just, this this kind of peace is just a calm sea and a and a, and a nice kind of soothing uh, sound. Whereas actually, if there if there's a war zone and there's reconciliation, what happens is that that the peace that comes leads to vibrant celebration, and it leads to uh, this this incredible energy in this this dynamic life. And so I, just, I think for some people, they, uh, the word is peace isn't quiet, that peace is a springboard, that peace is a calm that leads to a huge activity, a huge joy, and a huge praise. Treasure, how great 
Lord Jesus, we thank you that you've been amongst here with us today um, and that you are working on hearts. I thank you that you are all about our hearts, Lord, that you draw us to you, Lord, because you love us so much. I thank you that you have just revealed yourself to us this afternoon, Lord, and we just stand in awe of you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you reconciled us to the Father. We thank you that through your cross, Lord, we know life, we know peace, we know the fullness of knowing our maker. Lord Jesus, we thank you, and we dearly, dearly love you. If any of you um, wanted to respond to any of the words that have been brought, um, either from Steph's message or from people that have come up and shared, then please, um, if you would like prayer or you want to chat things through, then come up and talk. We're going to um, bring this to an official close now, but um, Steph and Rich and I will be up here, and if you'd like prayer about anything, then please do come up. Um, there's going to be tea and coffee over there, or if any of you still haven't taken bread and wine, then um, we'll leave that open as well. But uh, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for being with us. We love you. Lord, I just pray that um, you will be upon every person here as they leave, that um, you would really help us to be peacemakers as we go out tomorrow and work um, and on the streets and in our schools and universities, Lord. Help us to live true to this word that we've heard today. Mm. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. For those of you that have got kids, um, would you mind please going to collect them from the rooms? If you can't remember that is, then um, <laughs> go over to the Lights No More table and we'll direct you. Thank you. the way it'll keep everything the baby's breath our bravery wasted and our shame and we'll undress beside the ashes of the fire 
the tender bellies wound in bay. 